Groundhog Day. Anybody celebrate Groundhog Day? I don't know. You like it's thing. Come to find out, my wife, she goes, you want to know one of my favorite movies of all time? And I said, sure, because we're married and I have to know these things important. And she actually said one of her favorite movies is Groundhog Day. And I was like, you were born in the 90s. How is this even, even possible? I wasn't born in the 90s. I was born in 88. So I can say that to her. But my kids were fascinated with Groundhog Day. It was their first time. Kind of school was talking about it. And the whole concept that this little critter comes up from a hole, sticks his head out, and depending on what he sees, somehow dictates and projects what our weather is going to be. And so I had to show my daughter um, the groundhog, like the groundhog that kind of all this revolves around of, uh, which, which is a Punxsutawney Phil. You guys know of this cat uh, over in, in uh, it's Gobbler's Knob, Pennsylvania. And this got me on a rabbit trail, or should I say groundhog hole? Um, okay, sorry. Uh, about like, like the whole, how did this whole thing come into play? And, and so it started 116 years ago in this community. They would have a groundhog hunt and dinner. So, you know, that's a thing. And then they would come back and then somehow it spiraled into this whole ordeal and concept. There's a lot of German folklore that comes into play. And uh, these guys uh, who are in the the suits uh, with the tuxedo, the top hats, they are actually referred to as the inner circle. And the number one guy is known as the president, and he will take the groundhog, he'll take Phil out of his slumbering abode, and then Phil will talk to him in groundhog ease, and then it will be translated into some sort of poem. In 116 years, Phil has uh, recommended or has seen his shadow 99 times, but he is only uh, 39% accurate. And so given this past week, if you were like, yes, we're going to have a a short winter, don't take his word for it. It gets deeper. There is actually a competitor. About 200 miles away at the slumbering groundhog lodge, there is another groundhog. Did you guys know this? His name is Octoro Orphy, and they claim he predicts with 100% accuracy. But no one has actually seen this groundhog before in real life. It's just one of their things. This led my daughter to asking this question, though. She goes, Daddy, why isn't it just summer year-round? And I said, that's a great question. We don't pay enough money to live in one of those places uh, anymore. You you can go visit Nana, Beach Nana, um, and she lives in one of those places. But it it got me to uh, talking about the the whole concept of weather and, and winter and summer and how close we are to the sun. And she was like, wow, the sun is, is pretty magnificent. And I was like, it's magnificent that you know what this word magnificent is and you're in preschool. And so the sun, though, when you think about it, is an extraordinarily powerful thing. The surface of the sun, also known as the photosphere, is 10,000 degrees. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. I had to get that one in. There's some, some of you guys are like big like astronomy people, whatever. If I just said the surface, somebody probably would have shouted it out. The photosphere, the surface of the sun is 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. The core of the sun, 27 million degrees. As we said and estimated that 1 million Earths could fit inside of the sun, but the sun is one of the smaller stars in the entire universe. Now, I had always heard this fact, maybe you had too, is that if the Earth was 1, 5, 10 miles closer to the sun or further away, all life would cease to exist. And that's actually not the case. However, it is 10%. That if the, uh, if the earth was just 10% closer or 10% further away from the sun, it would change the weather pattern so much that life would struggle to exist. 
It's crazy that this whole thing that our universe, our, 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 I should say our solar system revolves around, the sun is in charge of so many different things. It dictates when it's day versus when it's night. It's responsible for growing food, the whole concept of photosynthesis. See, now you guys are learning stuff, right? You remember some of this? Our circadian rhythms, this kind of idea of when do we wake, when do we go to sleep. Uh, some of you, you have solar uh, for your home. It powers stuff. The sun also provides light. It provides warmth. It provides guidance. It provides safety. Needless to say, without this in our lives, we would all die. And I bring this up to make uh, this kind of tension to introduce for us all today is that our text that we're going to study and we're going to dive in today as we continue our study through the Gospel of John is going to use this word light over and over and over again. And it's going to be this similar premise that without light, we would not only just live in darkness, but life would cease to exist. And so John's kind of posing this question for us today uh, as we study John is, is, what would life look like without the power of light? What would life look like if there was not the power of light in our lives? So if, I have a, if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and begin turning with me to John chapter 1 this morning. John chapter 1. A couple quick notes uh, I want to make you aware of as, as we turn there today. Uh, number one is, uh, man, we've been having an amazing time uh, at Mencom on Monday evenings. Week three is tomorrow, so if you have not had the chance to join us, join us. Come on in. we got food. It's been an amazing, amazing time. Highly encouraged that we've seen over 117 different guys come over the past two weeks. And so uh, still three weeks left. It's been a fun time. There's prizes, food, all that good stuff. Um, second of all, our given respond boxes have disappeared. Oh, nope. One magically came back. Uh, from night to shine, we, you know, we got to tear everything down, put it all back up. So uh, if you have a connect card or an offering, you can use that as well on your way out. And so the uh, Gospel of John, we started this series uh, last week talking about this big question. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the four Gospels kind of give us the biography of the life of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, sometimes referred to as the synoptic Gospels, give us the where, what, when, how, maybe perhaps even why of Jesus. It gives us Jesus' life, his history, his events in a chronological order to some varying degree, and they all have a specific point. And then a few decades later, the Apostle John begins to write to say, there's a bigger question now. There is something more pressing. The, the tides and the currents of culture are leading us away from not just saying, were the events true, did they happen or not, but is he sufficient? Is Jesus of Nazareth truly the savior of the world and do you believe him? Do you believe him in a way and so that it leads you to action? And so for 98 times in 21 chapters, John is going to use this word pistuo, believe, 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 believe. I've told you about all of this so that you might believe. And this word believe isn't to just have had head knowledge. It's to lead you to a point of action so that your life may be changed. Because the God of the, of the universe, the God who put the sun into the motion, doesn't care so much about what you just know. He's not after you just memorizing a bunch of verses or facts or things about him. He says, I want you to take what you know and I want you to put it into practice so that my love, my light might be shared with the entire world. And John writes for 21 chapters, as an eyewitness, let me tell you about who he was so that you might believe in him. And that's where we're picking up again today. John chapter 1, starting in verse 4. John chapter 1, starting in verse 4. If you're there, say there. 
Um, real quick, if you didn't have a chance to grab one of these notebooks to take notes with you, you can grab them on the way out. We're almost out. We'll replenish at some point in the future when we find our give and respond boxes and all that type of stuff. All right. John chapter 1, starting in verse 4. It begins this. It says, in him, referring to Jesus, was life, and that life was the light. Everybody say light. Of all mankind. There it is again. The light shines in the darkness. Underline, highlight, circle, whatever you want to do, darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. And there was a man sent from God, and his name was John. This isn't John who wrote John, John the Apostle. It's going to refer to John the Baptist. We're going to see a bunch of him in the coming weeks. And he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. And he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the world was, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And he came to that which is his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God, the word of the Lord. If you're taking notes, you can mark these passages uh, down or in the, in, the, in the margins. You can put 8, 12, 9, 6, and 12, 35, 36 as a way to kind of cross-reference over. The first 18 verses of the Gospel of John functions somewhat as a prologue a trailer of what is to come for the the rest of the main event. And John, over and over and over in these 10 short verses, uses this word light, 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 light. And he's using this word specifically because the original audience, the hearers back then, would not think electricity. They would not think the headlights on your vehicle. They would think back to the beginning. And when I say to the beginning, I mean the beginning. In the beginning, Genesis chapter 1. God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything. And the first thing that God does is he speaks light into the world. And if you go to the Genesis account, you'll notice something interesting. That the first thing, the first thing that God creates is light. And then he creates a habitable habitable world. But it wasn't until day four that the sun, moon, and stars come into play. And it's interesting because we think of light and the greatest source of light being the sun in our lives, that there was light that existed before the sun was put into motion. And what John is trying to say is there is a source, there is a power, there is a presence that has existed from the beginning. And so that when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, that in the Old Testament, when they follow a pillar of fire, a pillar of light, if you will, around, they are saying, we are following the presence of God. So when John says there was a light and it came into the world so that everyone might know, he's not saying so that you can have some light to your feet, so that, no, 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 so that you may have the presence of God. And he says, without light, though, there is no life. We put it this way, that life depends on the presence and power of light. You'll notice all throughout scripture, but mainly in the gospel of John, the words light and life oftentimes are used as synonyms. And they are often used contrary to the words such as death and darkness and sin. And John says, so there is a light. There is no life without this light. And those who do not walk in it, those who do not have it, they live and they walk in darkness. They walk in death. They walk in sin. 
And it's not like a, a, a compare-contrast per se. It's not kind of a yin to a yang. Rather, there is light and there is life, and the absence of that, they say, then this is what you have left over. We sometimes think, well, we have, we have black and we have white, and those are kind of polar opposites of each other. But in Scripture, when, when we talk about light or life, and then we hear the words darkness or sin or death, it's not necessarily saying an opposite. Rather, it's just saying the opposite. Somebody who does not have light, they therefore have the opposite. They walk in darkness. Somebody who has not received life in Jesus, therefore they now walk in death. It is the opposite that is not at play. It is the absence of the light of the world. But when Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 12, so when Jesus comes along and he says, so when Jesus spoke to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, will never walk in darkness, but will have the what? Light of life. Jesus has come to say that if I am not with you, if you are not with me, if you are not walking in my ways, if you have not believed in me to the point of action, you will be walking in darkness. But I think this is so important, so valuable, because Jesus said, this is why I came. John says in the prologue, light, 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 light has come so that you may have life and have it abundantly. And I think, I think we need to be often reminded of this. I need to be reminded of this, so I'm sure you do too, is that Jesus' goal, Jesus' heart, Jesus' aim for you is to have life. It's not to just point out the sin and not to just say, here's where your life is dark. He's not to say, well, you better figure it out. No, Jesus' goal, Jesus' aim is to provide you light so that you may have life. And that life that we have comes with wisdom. It comes with discernment. It comes with love, grace, mercy, kindness, compassion. All of this comes into play. And I think sometimes we think that the light of Jesus has a sole purpose, and that's just to show us where we're off track. That is a part of it. But ultimately, Jesus come. He says, I want you to have life. I came as the light of the world so that you may experience me and experience life abundantly above all else. That's why John is very quick to say in verse 9, so make sure you know the, you might have picked it up there, the true light. There is an authentic light, a genuine light that you need to be aware of. He says John the Baptist comes along and he is just there to witness. He is there to just testify about the light. Like, could you imagine if you, if you went to the movie theaters and you spend $412 to get in with you and your kids and you bought all the popcorn and the candy and you sat down and you went through 37 minutes of, uh, of trailers and then you got up and left? Right? That would be really, really weird. Like, if you watched the trailers, you went through all that work and then you just pieced out. You're like, oh, I, I got what I came for. I'm a big trailers guy. I'm, give me all the previews. Those are way better than the actual movie, which is true sometimes, Right? That would be really weird because why would you sit through the trailer and miss out on the main event? And that's kind of who John the Baptist is to be. He said, my goal is to tell you about the thing. My goal is to be a mirror that's going to reflect the light of Jesus to the world. I'm, don't pay attention to me. I'm just merely here to foretell you, to show you, to be a witness to that. And in some ways, he's saying, because there is only one true light that will give you life. Our world, our lives are full of a lot of what I would call maybe fake light, false life. 
There's a lot of things we consider, a lot of things we enjoy, a lot of things we chase after that promise us life. And then once we obtain them, we're left wanting more. Or we think once my bank account gets to that number, once this certain relationship comes into my life, once this issue gets removed from me, then I will have a full and abundant life. And, and, and John the Baptist and John the Apostle and, and all the Gospels teach us this lesson that, that that's, that's a fake light. There are many things that want to present themselves as the light, but there is only one true, genuine, real, all-guiding life in this life, and his name is Jesus. And so John says there was a light, a light, a light, a light, so that you might believe, 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 believe. And it's come, he has come, and he's made himself available to all. Get me on this, I want you to think about this. The light comes into the world, John says. He's made himself available to all. Some received, some didn't. Some received, some rejected. And so the issue of light, the issue of life with Jesus, it's not a crisis of opportunity. Romans chapter 1, John chapter 5, it's been made and known to every single one of us. It's not a a crisis of, of potential or opportunity, but it is a crisis of will. It's a crisis of desire. It's a crisis of flesh. It has come, it has revealed itself, but it's up to you to determine will you walk in it or not, John says. You see, light cannot be stopped, but get this, it can be blocked. The light of Jesus, Jesus himself cannot be stopped. He cannot be withdrawn. He cannot be hidden, but he can be blocked. He's made himself known and available to all. Like in a similar way, you can't, you can't go outside, maybe say, say, say you go on vacation, you go down to the beach and you can't say, you know what I've decided, honey, this year? Let's just not pay any attention to the sun. Let's go to the pool, let's, let's go play in the sand, let's go have fun. Don't worry about the sunscreen because I have decided that for this trip, it doesn't really exist. It doesn't have any power. It can't really do anything. I have decided that, that for the sake of the next four, five, six, seven, ten, however many days, I have declared that the sun has no power over me. And so then you go and, and you, 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 you plop your, your chair down in the sand and you dig your toes in and you got your fresh beverages and you're sitting next to Snoop Dogg and there's an umbrella and you're hanging out, having fun cracking up whatever you want, you know, this is your choice. You're on vacation, you do you, boo, right? And you don't put any sunscreen on for six, seven, eight days. You're going to wish you did. You're going to wish that you had blocked it to some degree or another. And John says the same thing. Nobody has an excuse. Nobody can't say, I didn't have the opportunity to know, to see, to experience the light of Jesus. But we can block it. We can go into our house and we can pull the shades. We can go into our homes at night and not flip on the switch. But that's not because we don't have the opportunity. It's because we have made a choice. And that's one of the things, if not the thing, that sin does in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives and in the world around us is it teaches us that it's okay to block the light. 
It teaches us to, to do things and to, to block the light. And then in some ways, we get comfortable with it. We get used to the darkness we live in. You ever been to the movies in the middle of the day? That's okay. Show your hands. Your hands high, right? How many of you have been to the movie in the middle of the day, right? Good. You're frugal people. It's cheaper than. It's only like $380 at that point. You go to the movies in the middle of the day. You're in there for like three hours. The movie's only two hours. You got an hour of previews. And then when you walk outside, everybody does the same thing. You almost forget it's still daytime, right? You go into the air, it's dark, you enjoy the newest film, whatever it is that you're into, Wonka, John Wick 7, whatever it is, right? And then you walk outside because then your eyes have been accustomed to darkness. All light has been blocked except the light that you want to see has come into your peripheral, into your view. And then when you get exposed to the light, when you get exposed to the true light, you're not ready for it. I'm blind, I can't see. When you get your eyes dilated after going to visit the optometrist, it's the same exact type of thing. You see, light can't be stopped, but we can put ourselves in places in which we block light. So it got me thinking, got me praying. This is a question you can maybe write down is, how have I? Or how do I block the light of Jesus, the power of Jesus in my life? I think sometimes we think of of blocking the light of Jesus with something like really, really big. Something something that that kind of, okay, I'm going to block, I'm going to block, okay. Because I I like Jesus over here and I like what he says, but I don't want him to to kind of come in this area. So, So we block stuff out. Or we think about other people's lives or we think about the things we see on the news or politicians or, or whatever it is and we say, oh man, they've, they've clearly blocked the light of Jesus out. But the thing is, is even a small piece, even just a small, tiny piece has the ability to block light. And we might say, okay, well, here's the thing. I haven't killed anybody. I'm right with God. Yeah, but have you, have you given in to anger? God, I haven't committed adultery, but have you wrestled with lust? You know, I haven't haven't cheated on my taxes. I haven't embezzled tens of thousands of dollars, but is there a little bit of greed and you believe you kind of own everything that you have? I haven't slain anybody, but have you slain somebody with your words by talking about them behind their back? See, even a little piece, even something that doesn't seem big or verbose has the ability to block the light from shining into our heart and into our lives. And John says you can block the light to the point that you get accustomed to it or you get used to walking in darkness. So two things about the power of light I want to pull out for us this morning is number one is that light has come to expose darkness. It's the whole point in which Jesus came to this world is to expose the sin, death, and darkness, not just of this world, but of your life. And there is no way around it. The light of Jesus reveals sin in our hearts. It reveals sin in our past. It reveals sin in our minds. And when we experience it for the first time, 
or we experience it over and over again. It can be a little harsh when we're not accustomed to it, right? It can be a little, it can be a little jarring. It can even come across as offensive. But let me put it this way. Is, if there was something, let's say, that was going to lead you to the point of death, and all it took was for me to let you know, and I didn't, what would your response be? You're walking in darkness, you're stubbing your toe, you're, you're banging your shin, you're saying words that I'm not allowed to say on stage because I'm a pastor. And you're trying to navigate and you can't find your way and you're running into pain more and more and more and more and more. And sure, your, your eyes might adjust a little bit. And somebody comes in and they shine a light to show you what you're running into, exposing the darkness you find yourself in. It's going to be alarming. It's going to be a little bit jarring. But at the end of the day, wouldn't you want somebody to say, stop, let's not do this. This is going to be painful and you aren't going to like the way that this ends. And if somebody didn't come and do that for you and they say, well, I didn't want to hurt your feelings. (laughs) You might not agree with me. It kind of might be a little offensive. I wanted to be tender. I didn't want you to know. So, you know, I, I just didn't. They get to the end, they would have said, at least let me know and make my own choice at a minimum. You see, light has come to expose darkness. And most of the time, we don't like what light exposes in our lives. Some of you, it's a big game this afternoon. Somebody will lose the remote. And you will pull back the cushions, slide the couch out, and oh my word. Did you know this was under here? Why is there 17 socks without a match? My kid hasn't played with that toy in 12 years. How is there cat here? We don't even own a cat. When something is hidden in a dark place and light goes on it, you begin to see there's usually more hidden down there and it's kind of embarrassing. It's kind of gross, might be a little stinky. We would not show that to other people. And I think we feel that way when we begin to experience Jesus. His light, his power is shining into our lives in ways in which we say, Jesus, I don't really like that you see that because I don't really like to see that. I got to a point in which I forgot I wrestled it. I got so accustomed to that. I didn't even know. I didn't even realize that that was something. Okay, just between you and me, can we just keep the light to a minimum so that other people don't have to find out? Actually, Jesus, I'm just going to put this cushion back. I'm just going to pretend like it's no big deal. I'll deal with it later. I'll get to it, okay? Trust me, promise me. You know, we're tight. It's good. We'll get it taken care of later. And John is saying that the whole point of light is to expose darkness. And the hard part with it is, and hear me, let me, let me say this. Some of you, you wrestle with Jesus, the, 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 the reality of Christ is because you have been told that's all he wants to do in your life. You have been told and sold that all Jesus wants to do is point out all your flaws. Say, this is how you fall short. Here's all the darkest sins and the things you're holding secret that nobody else wants to know. And you think that's all Jesus wants to do. Is just shine light in dark places, mic drop, and then get out of there. But let me show you something. Go back to verse 5 with me if you have a Bible. Go ahead and put verse 5. Look at this. Look at this. It's so powerful. So this is the gospel of Jesus. The light shines where? 
in the darkness. Don't miss this second part. Do not miss part B of verse 5. And the darkness has what? Not overcome it. Your translation might say, might not have comprehended it. You might not, it might say overpowered. It's this word that means that the darkness has no ability to stop the light from doing something powerful. From doing something. It doesn't just uh, shine in the darkness. It doesn't just reveal it's there. It, it, it overpowers anything that is. You tracking with me? Watch this. Zach, hit the lights for me, bud. If you're watching online, this is on purpose. We do not have a power outage. We understand that light shines in the darkness. Light comes into this world, Jesus says, and I have come to reveal what is in there. I've come to reveal what is hidden. Sorry if I hit you in the face, right? Light has come to expose what is in the darkness. And we get really good, to some degree or another, at blocking it. But the light might come in and it might expose just even that little bit of paper. The thing that we are using to block the power of the light in our lives. But the thing is, if you think about it, That more often than not, when people read and heard scripture, they would not think of light as what I just showed you. They would think about it as fire. And so not only has light exposed the darkness, it has overpowered that which used to block it. That when light has the ability to not just come into our world or into our lives or into what is happening around us, when light does its thing, it doesn't just reveal what's there, but if there's anything that we have used to block it, John says light is not overpowered. In fact, it is the thing that overpowers that, which is in the darkness. And with enough time, And with enough energy and with enough effort, not of your own strength, not of your own will, not of what you can do for yourself, but of what Jesus Christ has done and has overcome, his life will overpower any darkness in your life. Zach, go ahead and hit the lights for me, bud. Until there's nothing left. Until there's nothing there. Light doesn't just expose darkness, John says. It drives it out. Jesus has come into this world not to just say, here's what's wrong. He came to say, let me drive it out of your heart. Let me drive that darkness out of your life. Let me take what is dead and bring it back to life. Jesus, I'm not just here to tell you about the darkness. I'm not just here to tell you about all these rules. I'm not just here to tell you about what's right or what's wrong or how you've fallen short. He says, I have come. This is who I am. I have come so that you might embrace and walk in the light and that when you do, the darkness in your life, in your heart will be driven out. So believe in me so that you may live abundantly. As we
continue to worship this morning, I want us to prepare our hearts and our minds for communion. It's our way to remember how powerfully Jesus has come into our lives and into our world. That the, the juice that we, that we partake in represents the blood of Christ shed for you. The cracker represents the body of Christ broken for you. The light has come. And do you believe it? Do you believe in him? Do you just let the light of Jesus expose what's in here? Or do you let it drive out the darkness? The things that you've tucked and hidden, the things that you're, you're kind of concealing from others, the way in which you are holding up things to block the light. And Jesus says, let me in because I won't just reveal it, I will drive it out. What is it that you need to let the power of the light do in your life today? You might be here this morning and it's going to be the first time that you have, have, have decided for yourself, I want to not just know about the light, I want to believe it and I want to live in it. And if that's you this morning and during communion, one of the things I would love for you to do is take that, uh, uh, that card in the seat back in front of you, fill out your information, just name, email, whatever, and just write on the back, I have decided to follow the light. Because Jesus does not want you to live in darkness. He does not want you to walk towards death. He's saying, I want to give you life and life abundantly. Others of us, we know, we're aware, but we're doing a really good job blocking it out. As you pray and reflect through what Jesus has done, think about just one thing. One area in which you say, all right, Jesus, I'm gonna remove this blocker and I'm gonna let you do your work. And use that prayer, Jesus, don't just expose the darkness in my life, drive it out. I'm gonna read uh, 2 Corinthians chapter four as we prepare for communion this morning. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 through 6 says this. It says, the God of this age has blinded, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants of Jesus, for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Jesus, we ask your light to expose and drive out any darkness that is within us. We believe in you because you have lived, died, and given yourself for us. In your name we pray.